In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own, unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. We are up to album 23, The Velvet Underground, and Nico... Guys, uh, bad news. Uh, my wife did stop paying for all of our streaming services, so I have to I have to go back to the Stone Age. Why? Uh, I don't know why. Something about me not listening. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, so I have had to uh, go and pull an errand and uh, just get a radio. So I thought we could just sit around and listen to the radio. Oh, nice. That's how I spend a lot of afternoons. All right, everybody, gonna, shut up. What are listen we going to tune into? Uh, we're going to tune it uh, probably to my favorite station, um, 93.69. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is K-Rob, K-R-O-B. You know what? We're getting real close to Valentine's. I love K-Rob. So if you can't be with the one you love, you might as well do something you love. Oh, oh no. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm making fun of Aaron. Have you ever taken your Captain Crunch and heated it up in the microwave before you eat it? can't wait for him to say something random uh i don't own a microwave <laughs> he'll start talking i roll my eyes then i say something nasty to impress the guys oh yeah i'm making fun of Aaron. yeah what do you think is the greatest song ever about being happy so i came is up with a list here it goes <laughs> What's he talking about now? I think it's great. It's your birthday. I'm also pretty certain Curtis Blow just had a heart transplant. Some crazy stuff. How many times you got to bring that up? thinks is normal. Man, don't get me started about the dew point. I've really learned a lot about that. Then I start laughing, and then I unload. We bring it up for the next 10 episodes. Yeah, I'll be making fun of Aaron. No, there are actually more instruments than you can fit in a basement, right? Wait, that wasn't even supposed to be funny. <laughs> when you want to hear about the greatest Woo! albums of all time. Awesome. But you're just too lazy to look it up Man, every online. time you do the intro songs, they just crush. That was if awesome. If you want to hear the guys in chat, you're going to get off track. You're going to help out. I've got the good program. I've got the good program. I've got the good program. Beck did it oh. better. Why do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. I've got uh, four guys who would definitely love to live in a velvet underground. I don't know. I didn't write anything down. I'm sorry. I kind of think of that off the top of my head, and I totally failed. <laughs> We've got Russ in Minnesota. Russ, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Other than the people who downloaded to hear themselves on Matt's birthday wish episode, I find it hard to believe that our listeners don't know the beauty that this podcast is. But if you don't, let me be your eyes. Oh, Whoa. Wow. I like that, and it makes me uncomfortable. Matt, Minneapolis, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Love the energy. Rosie, how are you doing out in California? This album makes me want to start reading books. I looked up Severin, which I hadn't. Looked up what? Severin? Okay, let's like start over. Dan, Dan Severin, the <laughs> ultimate fighter? What did you look up? The beast. Severin. The beast. Severin. That was back when UFC were these fights where there were no rules. And so you just have a 30 minute fight where they were just on the ground the whole time. It was the most boring thing in the world. You'd be like, check this out. Isn't it awesome? And meanwhile, the girl I had over my place that I had for some reason showed a UFC tape to was like, no, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. But occasionally there were the fights where the guy would show up like tank Abbott, the pit fighter, and he would just go pound the shit out of some guy. Right. Like, yeah. 
some of those old UFC fights were pretty awesome. I don't know why this album made Rosie Google old UFC fighters like Dan Severn, but <laughs> yeah. whatever works for him is cool. Yeah, he's a big Hoist Gracie fan. All right, so uh, Marco, we <laughs> we actually had Marco Huas used to stamp stomp on guys' toes. That was his move. He would oh, stand in the, so in the cage and like stomp yeah. on their toes. I got like, what do you what I, do you think of that? If I got if sensitive you were, toes, man, I couldn't. I got I got gout. <laughs> I couldn't handle that, man. I'd be out. I'd be tapping out right away. Do you really have gout? Yeah, man, it's terrible. I eat too many, too much liver, too, too much fat, meat. Too yeah, you're eating too foods. much brisket. Uh, yeah, the times it's gotten really bad was like herring, and uh, sometimes <laughs> bacon will do it. Too much. So you could, you could specifically identify you have a certain meal and it flares up on you. It happens, yeah. But I just keep my culture scene on hand now, and it's fine. I mean, I mean that's some old man shit, right no, there. No, gout is like the disease of kings. Like yeah. Rosie's living <laughs> like a king. He's like, I'm having too much herring. My feet are flared up. <laughs> I you cannot imagine how happy I am that you have gout. Do you know how many things rhyme with gout? It's unbelievable. I that one I shouldn't have divulged. We can work Definitely it all out. I mean, it's just like I think the greatest the greatest reference to gout in pop culture of all time was. Do you guys ever watch the show King of the Hill? Oh, Remember yeah. King of the Hill back in the this day? Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And, this is and, the one. And there was this episode with Bobby. And Bobby was eating too many livers or chicken something livers. from this local chicken yeah. livers from the local groceries or the local diner or whatever. And he came back and he got gout and his, you know, his feet blew up and he couldn't walk. So he had to get a rascal, one of those little like <laughs> carts. And then, and then he like, he would, his dad was yelling at him to like, get off the rascal. You got to walk to school. And he's like, leave me alone. I got gout. And then I it turned gout. into this whole thing where everywhere, like he, he asked uh, Susie or whatever the neighbor girl was to the dance. But she didn't want to go. And then finally he decided to get off the rascal and take her and walk there. And they're playing like Ari. What was the song, Aaron? It was Love, Love Hurts. Hurts. Love and they're playing Love Hurts. Jesus Christ. Like yeah, while he's walking on his this. gout foot. So every time I hear Love Hurts, I'm going to think of Aaron walking up the walking up the Camino or whatever in, in San Francisco with his gout. Well, we've run out of time to do the podcast because we just did a King of the Hill recap. So I think that's fine. Uh, that sounds great to me. I apologize. Uh, oh shit! I was gonna. Say, oh, I know what I was gonna say. Isn't it weird that King of the Hill was just that guy from Beavis and Butthead who was like, "You boys are whacking it in my trailer," and then they just made him into a, like a family show that was on after The Simpsons. I thought that yes. was so strange. Yes. Well, thanks for working with me on that, guys. I appreciate when we bounce ideas <laughs> off of each other. I think that's really good. Does anybody else have any stories to tell where hard. they could just end in silence? And that's really fun. <laughs> We're two for two at this point, Matt. Aaron, you got anything? <laughs> well, I already. We could go to Rolling Go. That's the way that usually ends, anyways. Rob. Yeah, we could. Except for the problem is, we guys, we're getting a lot of voicemails. Let's check it Ooh. out. To the oh, back hey. hey, you chuckleheads! First no. time, long time. First this time, is Ryan time. in Milwaukee. Just got done listening to the Kid A pod on the road, so I thought I'd call you on the road. Love the show. <laughs> Thought you could have done a little bit better with Kid A. What? All right. Whoa. Fuck off. Our <laughs> callers are so stupid. Our Kid A episode is one of our best ones, and they're like, I could have done better. Now listen to this constructive feedback that he has, okay? Now no, listen to- no, stop, stop. Could we, could we introduce, the, what was his name, Ryan? 
yes. Ryan. We could introduce Ryan to Magic Mike 65 in, in Houston, <laughs> and they could go out and sit and have some chicken livers at a diner and talk about music if they want to, right? They can start the Beck did a better wiki where they're like, well, actually, these are the little tiny facts that they missed. Uh, no, we didn't. We're experts. Now shut up, okay? Dumbass. Like I said, listen to the feedback he gives about how we could make the podcast better. Okay. Hey, you chucklehead. Oh, or you could just play it right First from the beginning time, again, long Rob. Time. Okay, you know what? This doesn't prove anything. Okay, I'm just gonna say that right now. This makes no point whatsoever. Okay, and it's all getting edited out, so it doesn't matter. Oh, right. Ooh, we screwed up. Shut up. Suggestion one: on Don't the keep replaying the, the bias. On the road. Love the show. Why is Ryan repeating this? I could have done a little bit better with you today. He doesn't have much to say. You guys all kind of missed the mark. I would rather listen to Kid A than probably about half the albums. That are above it. So what would that be? Rolling, well toned. I'm gonna. Go. All right. Now I've had enough of this. Okay. He knows. He knows that that means it got it got rolling boned. Yeah. Okay. I had to think about it. But he, he knows that means it got rolling boned. Okay. I'm not to that part of the show. I haven't warmed up my brain yet. So that's disrespectful. And he's obviously just having a laugh. You know. It's like okay. So so oh, you're man. implying that? Oh, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> oh, I'm not implying anything. Oh, this guy can kiss my ass. That's not implied. That's direct. I've got a lot more to add, but I didn't take time to write it down. Oh, okay. So now it's not so easy, is it? Let's see. So far, your voicemail has been 40, 42 seconds, and you've already run out of material. Oh, great job. You can definitely hang out with this podcast. I got a real question, though. Do most of our, our Bexters and our Beck call line, do they write their notes down like, like this guy, no. Ryan, or not? No, I can tell you most of the voicemails I do get are the ramblings of madmen. Okay. And then Matt's wife's friends who are very great and nice. But the rest of the people are total psychopaths. They're, nice. They're always nervous. Yeah, everybody's nervous. Like I don't know why. I mean, you know, we treat you with the most utmost respect when you call yeah, in. Absolutely. Dumb Unless shit. you rip us and then Rob calls you a dumb shit. Well, so. yeah. Well, no, I have we had a voicemail that's just complimentary? I don't think so. They always butter us the up one. with a compliment and then there they drop the, the hammer. With- there was the one when Aaron uses falsetto voice. Aaron used a female voice, and it was just complimentary. There was no ripping. No, but I think that was the one where they're like, I can't tell if I'm just really bored or you guys are funny. That's not a compliment. Russ has been on too many Bumble dates. That's not a compliment. Yeah, i got to be honest. If I got that compliment on a Bumble date, it would be the best thing going for my 2021. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm drunk or if you're handsome. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, plus. Figure it out tomorrow. I need a crib sheet. I think you guys got a great show going on. Oh, he likes the show. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. So there. <laughs> this now, guy's not what? driving, is he? He, he wasn't oh, driving when yeah. he was calling, was he? <laughs> he he totally screwed up the oh, yeah, didn't he? He did look, oh, yeah. He did, he did a macho he man. He did a macho man. Instead macho of man, a rob yeah. there. That was way off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that, you know, somebody when they're talking about things and then um, panicking and trying to throw in a joke like that at oh, yeah. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. <laughs> It That's also pathetic. seemed like it also seemed like out of he was out of breath. I don't know if he was going for a run or eating too many Slim Jims or what the hell happened. There. That does now that sounds like our average fan base is somebody who gets out of breath sitting in a car and driving down the road. That sounds exactly like the kind of people I imagine listening to us. Yeah, saying oh yeah at the end of a sentence because you don't know what you're saying is like somebody saying anyway at the beginning of a sentence because they're not quite sure how they're going to start the next segment. Well, but not me because I know well, we're going right to well. Rolling going, damn it! I didn't do that well. I suck, <laughs> guys. Wait, I'm still it. the main host, about? but it's not good. Okay, you totally here we it. go. I don't know what you're talking about. 
You're ready. It's, 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 it's time to see what everybody's up to. It's time for Rolling Going, Aaron. How's it going with you? Uh, it's going great. It's uh, It was a beautiful day today. I took the day off to go hiking with my lady, so I spent the day in the forest. But uh, what I what I want to is talk that a about euphemism. Today, what'd you get? What'd you guys do in the yeah. forest? What does that mean? We went hiking in the forest. Why would you say oh, it like dirty. that? That's so dirty. Oh my god! Like my kids are listening to this. Stay above we, board. Yeah. Stay happened. above board. <laughs> we just, anyway, did you wear you know, thick you know, boots? Oh, you yeah. know damn well what happened in the forest, Aaron. <laughs> did you bring your walking stick? You know what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> don't leave them without uh, it. Did you guys? Uh, did you pack a picnic lunch? You know what I'm talking about, Aaron. Come on now. Uh, we did it. Yeah, we had some cheese tortellini in one of our um, stainless oh, steel yeah. <laughs> containers. I mean, you know, if you ask me about food, it's going to happen. That stainless steel, it was just hard. It was hard. Cold, what did you eat it with? Strong, okay, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to. We do have to pause here because I'm going to kick myself. There's occasion where I'm editing the podcast and I will listen to something Rosie says, and I realize I didn't step in to make fun of him, and I have never <laughs> not regretted that moment. So I do have to say this: you went hiking and you did pack Indeed. a lunch. Correct. And the lunch you packed is cheese tortellini. Yes. <laughs> okay. That, that classic hiking treat. <laughs> so how did you, what did you just eat cold tortellini as you were hiking or what's going on here? I don't understand. No, we sat down. It was so, uh, so okay, well, that's easy- not what I asked really, but <laughs> yeah, we, we, it was, it was easy because we could, uh, cook a bunch of tortellini this morning, put some of it in my son's lunch for school, pack the rest of it in our lunch, Wait, for hold, hiking, hold, 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 throw stop, some stop, cheese stop, on stop. there. No, wait, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Your son, like your three-year-old son brings tortellini as his school lunch. Yeah, he loves it. Uh, Matt, how often did <laughs> he, there's no way like Matt showed up when he was a five-year-old who didn't have peanut butter and jelly and had cheese tortellini. It's just pasta with cheese in it. It's not no, that weird. No, 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 no. There's no, no way no. other kids have cheese tortellini at lunch. There's always, there's always one of those kids. All right. Eddie, Eddie always comes home from his preschool and is like, Charlie had soup today. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like his parents sent like a thermos along with him. Like, oh man, that's that's aggressive. They're like showing everybody up. But I have to step in and take Aaron's side on this. Both my kids have thermoses, and I do heat up pasta and put it in there hot, so it's hot yes. when I have it for lunch. I think kids deserve that. Yeah, but you guys also have a friend, which most people would call a housekeeper, that does all your cooking for uh, you. I so it's much easier to take pull that off. Fun of Rob. She does not do all the cooking. And no, this is not making fun of me. Okay, but managing I wanted to my say, time well. Aaron, tell uh, us about your hike. My, well, I was so that was that was the highlight of my day. But what I did Into this week was uh, because we were preparing for the Velvet Underground, I wanted to read a book about Velvet Underground. And spoiler alert: I did not finish the book because I can't finish a whole book in a week. But I didn't that's really not, want to. That's pay. not part of your goal. That's your not goal part of your New Year's resolution. Yeah, I didn't really want to pay for the book, so I looked at the library to see what they had. Lo and oh, behold, you didn't, you didn't go to the library and sit there for like an hour and read it and then put it back, did you? No, no, no. I, I checked it out on the, on the library. Well, so that's the point of the library, literally, though. Like, he's not pulling a scam. Do you think you're scamming <laughs> the library when you read I a book and then the, put it back? The ebook on the <laughs> on the app. And there is a book by written by Michael Imperioli of Sopranos fame that is essentially Velvet Underground fan fiction. It's called The Perfume Burned His Eyes. It's oh, about what? a kid. Now, wait a minute. Fan yeah. fiction? <laughs> yes. What does fan fiction mean? Yeah, explain to us what's going the on The story here. is a fictionalized account of a kid in New York in 1976 in the Lower East Side who happens to live in the same, he goes through some, you know, family trauma. He and his mom happen to live in the same building as Lou Reed. He works at a diner. Cook, did this make you cook the tortellini, this book? 
It did not. It didn't inspire the trade. Okay. No, that's a good question. That's a very good question. He works at a diner. One day they get an order at the diner for two strawberry shakes and a shitload of bacon. He has to go deliver this to an apartment. It turns out Lou Reed lives in the apartment with his trans woman girlfriend, Rachel, and they strike up a friendship. Lou takes him out to a bar. They drink gin and tonics. Lou goes to the bathroom and does heroin and then inscribes a whole poem on the wall of the bathroom. So this is what I spent. This is now who I think Lou Reed probably was. I feel like I'm scamming the library listening to this story right now. This is my own audiobook. <laughs> From my recollection, Michael Imperioli played was it Michael on the Sopranos man? You're, I don't, a Sopranos you're, the, you're guy. the Sopranos expert. Yeah, wasn't he like the He was he was Tony's nephew and probably like one yeah. of the like five main characters and I think spoiler alert, he gets knocked off in like the, you know, 6th or 7th season. If I would have known that this is what he was going to do with his fame is make fan fiction about delivering tortellini and, and <laughs> shitloads of bacon to Lou Reed. I wish they would have just knocked him off in season one instead of Big Pussy. He could have gone right away if this is what he's doing with his fame. By the way, spoiler alerts for uh, Sopranos for anyone that's gotten this far. So I'm going to edit that and put it in earlier if I remember. We'll see if I remember to do that. So that's my rolling going. It was a good week. I spent some time reading some fiction about Lou Reed. Uh, I, it seems like perhaps he did have, he did live with a, with a trans woman for a, a period of time and that this is uh, partly true, but the rest of it was kind of fictionalized. But now Can that's I who ask, I think Lou Reed is. I just can't I stop I don't thinking about the shit loads of bacon. But there is a whole genre of like fiction, like historical fiction and stuff like this that just, I, I, I have no idea what the appeal is like there's None. stuff like um what if abraham lincoln didn't get shot right and then like it goes on to like his next 20 years of being president stuff like that like what is the attraction to that fictionalized is, matt you might know this isn't there a tv show that does if if germany had won world war ii or something like that man in the high castle high castle yeah. man yeah. in the high castle yeah. do you think do you think matt it's like history for dummies like you feel like you're smart because you're doing history but really you're just still a dumb person because you're reading fiction like i do well, I mean, I oh, wait, think if you're I, I read reading books, there, there's there's a line in the same, like, there's so many things out there, and this is what you choose. <laughs> when you go to the library, you're going to steal a, a fiction book, as opposed <laughs> to, you know, so I, I I mean, I don't know. I just, I, everything that's out there from all the biographies, I mean, even yeah. just like straight up, you're going to go with like historical fiction, or what, what did you call it, Rosie? What was well, the, this one I called fan fiction because it, fan I, it fiction? seemed like, in this case, it was, you know, about a, it seemed like it was written by a guy who was a fan of the band. But yeah, I think historical, historical fiction is accurate. My wife started reading a book called Rodham, which is if Hillary Clinton, what was it? If she hadn't married Bill Clinton and then a whole story about how her life would be different. And I was like, I, why do I want to read any of this? This yeah, makes no right. sense to me. Like, I, I don't right. know. I'd rather oh, read I, science I, fiction. I, I, I think this is fascinating. This brings me back to Aaron. Aaron, This was Aaron's original idea, and I almost ran with it at one point. I believe I asked Aaron if I could run with it. But Aaron had an idea of writing a book of what happens if, remember when yeah, Ted, Ted Williams, Williams, they froze his brain? Yeah. Like they, they t cryogenically yeah. froze his brain after he died. And right. Aaron had the, like the most amazing book idea ever about like after the baseball strike and everything, years after baseball is just not coming back. It's not popular. And Aaron's idea was, they would take Ted Williams' brain, unfreeze him, and bring Ted Williams back to save baseball. And yeah. I was like, this is the greatest book. We should probably delete this because we might still <laughs> we don't need give this, this at some point. Away. But <laughs> it was the greatest idea ever. I bet the first oh, thing you say would be something so racist and so sexist. It would just blow <laughs> your mind. 
Like you'd be like, oh, this is going to be great. And you'd come back here like, oh, no, you can't say any of that. Like that's terrible. <laughs> it would be like a 12-page book and at the end of chapter one, it's just the end. Yeah, he's like, and Ted Williams was canceled forever. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All of our heroes are total monsters as it turns out. Matt, rolling going. How's it rolling going with you? Uh, good, good. I watched a lot of football this week and was diving into a couple shows, a couple new shows. Um, there's this show, Ted Lasso. On, mm-hmm. oh, I've heard good things that. about that. I've not watched it. You know, and so for that. He's, he's, a, he's an American football coach and goes over to England to coach football over there for a Premier League team. And um, it sounds pretty hokey at first, but, it, but it's, it's an awesome show. And so I'd highly recommend watching that. And then another football show I was watching, there's the All or Nothing series on um, Amazon Prime. And they go through, there's, they did like a rugby one with the All Blacks. And they did an American football one with like, uh, I think they had the Rams for a while and the Eagles. But they did one on Tottenham Hotspur, which is a Premier League team. And so... They have kick-ass names, don't they? The Premier League teams? Like oh, Arsenal and Hotspur. I mean, they're so much better than what we have. Yeah, and the, and the whole thing, I think if you're on the cusp of, you know, why is soccer, why is football so, I was trying to, I was trying to get goad you guys into saying, what the hell are you talking about no, football? No, we're, we're men of the world, man. We knew that when you said football, that what you really meant was soccer. Okay, we, we well, got I'm good. That. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, with my, I'm with my people then. When Matt started talking people. about sports, I turned this off and went and played an old, an old version of Beck did it better instead. That's just been my general, that's been my general approach with sports over the last four months. Is, oh, there's a new Timberwolves. Nope, I'm going to go listen to the Michael Jackson episode. So when Matt started bringing up Tottenham Hotspur or whatever this, I, I went yeah. back to Aretha. Tottenham Hotspur, that's that's something Aaron did when he was on that hike. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing is, is that, you know, Aaron was these... going to Buddhist league all over that, <laughs> that hike, oh, no. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, we're sorry that we interrupted you. We're really sorry. Sorry. No, I apologize. I'm listening. I'm listening. Aaron, Anything else? Aaron, be quiet. Bye. No, <laughs> Matt, we're sorry we interrupted you. So... I was watching. <laughs> yes. And no. And so the, the, you know, the, the premier league, they've got, um, relegation, mm, yeah. which is basically, you know, Brandon from Edina will tell me I'm nuts and I'm not explaining this right, but you know, it's essentially the bottom three teams in each level, you essentially get knocked down to the minor league. So yep. if it was major league baseball, your major league, you get knocked down to triple a and triple a down mm-hmm. to, you know, and with all of that, you know, the players go with it unless the contracts go or whatever. But, and so they, they have a, there's a incentive not to tank or, you know, to keep playing yeah. and keep, keep being competitive. You're going to go down and, you know, salaries go from like 70 million, you know, down to like 25 for the team, things like that. So it, there's huge incentive. It keeps it going. Could that ever work? In America, could oh, that I ever wish. work over oh, here? Oh man! Now we like got to make a whole NBA? new podcast no. episode about relegation. Yes, the NBA needs relegation. I love this idea, man. Yeah, but they could would never do know. it. I mean, which owner would agree to that? Of like, oh yeah, my team really sucks, and we're going to become a minor league team. If Minnesota Timberwolves became a minor league team, they would never be a major league team again. Never, well, ever, ever, ever. They yeah. would never <laughs> make it. They're not really a major league team anyway. They're I think the right real now. question is. Is what happens if one of us got rele- relegated to the mm. minor league podcast system? <laughs> That's a good point. Who do you think would get relegated first, and would we ever make it back? I don't know. What would that be? It might like relegating. That would be like to Aaron's like daily menu podcast where he talks about what he eats every day. 
and you're talking to him about that like all the time. I would think you either get relegated to Aaron's daily menu, you get relegated to helping Matt set up his blow-ups in, in the middle of December. Or It's a or podcast you, where we just talk about Bob Dylan every episode. Like, oh, yes. my God, not again. You get relegated to Rob's housekeeper, a.k.a. the friend that makes all their meals. You get relegated to one of those options. They all sound pretty uh, good. No, that's the opposite. That's being pro. Forget. I don't know what the opposite of relegated is. Pro. Why do I think it's pro something? I don't Promulgated? know. Promoted? That's not, that's a Promoted? Promoted, yes. I thought you were going to say, yes, were gonna say procreated, and we were going to have to have a whole science discussion with you Once here. Once again, yeah, there's a different <laughs> podcast. It's science, Rob. I would love I would love to have relegation. I think, pe- I think people being punished for sucking is great. That's what I want. I, yeah, as I a teacher, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Just kick Isn't them out Isn't that what Venus and First is about? All yeah. right, moving on. Rolling, going. Russell, how are you doing? What are you talking about? What is Venus and First? Are you talking about more fan fiction? Wait, wait. Song on this album, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this album. That was a top Jesus of the Christ. Joke. I could not tell you. I bet I could tell you two names of songs off this when album. When you go back and no listen idea. to this, that's going to be the best joke on this entire episode. We can just shut it down right now. I just made the best you joke I've be ever right. made in my life. With how this is going so far, you might totally be right. Uh, Russell, rolling going. How's it going with you? Rolling going. It's 2021. That means you got to fire back all the dating apps back up. You got to get them going. And I figured mm-hmm. I could you get I could use your oh, guys' yeah, advice on, on some dating world for 2021. Russell, I was thinking, would you ever want to do a thing where when, when all this COVID stuff clears up and you are back on the scene, okay, mm-hmm. and you are again mm-hmm. oh, yeah. a true Bumble predator. That didn't come out right. It's Bumble. Oh. You're on Bumble. <laughs> you're hunting, but in a respectful way, okay? So you're trying to get in them drawers, but respectfully. And so the thing is, I was thinking that just give us each a week and we would make your Bumble profile and let's see who would be the most successful. Just sheer numbers of matches. I would definitely do that. Okay, good. How do you spell penis size? (laughs) P-E-N-I-S. Just kidding. I know how to spell it. E-E-N-1-5. I just have to read my tattoo. N-15 club. All right, Russell. Let's hop into... Rob's housekeeper had to write it on a whiteboard for him. Let's... Why would they have to write that down? It doesn't make any sense. Let's hop into the everything corner. else in your life. Get, get, get to the corner. It's time for Russell's advice. Corner. We are the family, though, that oh, does have the yeah. whiteboard with like random stuff written oh, down on it yeah. that nobody ever looks at. So it doesn't matter. Like it's a useless device, anyways. We might need to change the OES to all Macho Man OES oh, going after this. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> Just ate a bunch of sushi, but <laughs> so so the that things I, the things I was really interested in getting your guys' advice on is. I came across some unique profiles and things that I saw, and I was like, wonder how you guys would respond to this. So the first thing that I came across was there was a woman recently that I was looking at, looking at her profile. I don't know what app it was on, but she had multiple references to her love of Nicolas Cage. There were two references in her profile to Nicolas Cage. How do you respond to someone who's talking about Nicolas Cage movies. What what do you do in that instance? I think Nicolas Cage is just a funny joke now, Russell. Like you can just be like, yeah, I love, you know, pick uh, pick an obscure Nicolas Cage like movie like Rage, or like uh, Ghost Rider. You know, like some just you can go. I think that's a great match. Let's go for can, it. I mean, can what, I? I'll tell you what what I use with it, and then maybe Matt and Aaron can jump in after this with better right. ideas. What I did with it is I sent her some meaningless message. We'll never hear from her again. But what I did after that was every woman I messaged for like the next five, I said, hey, you're the first woman I've seen tonight that didn't mention Nicolas Cage twice on your <laughs> twice on your profile. We must be a match. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. Until she comes back around with her other profile and she's like, I know you're talking about bad about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's been no response. I don't know what a Nicolas Cage impression is, but there was no response. Do you know how many Nicolas so. Cage movies came out in 2020? 
The Rock? Probably five. What? No, The Rock is from like 19. <laughs> it's like from 19. It's like from when I was 94. in high school. Yeah. How many Nicolas Cage movies can you guys really get? You, there's The Rock. There's Con Air, Leaving Las Vegas. That's about it, right? Gone in 60 seconds. Adaptation, oh. National Treasure 1 and 2. Oh. <laughs> uh, Face Off. 4 and 5 and 6. I should introduce this lady to Rob. What kind of debt is this man in? Like, who to whom does he owe money? The man is a Coppola, and he never stops working in Hollywood. How many how many Nicolas Cage movies came out this year, Rob? How many in 2020? That was the I, from what question. I can see. It's already in 2020. He had five movies come out. He never stops working. He must no. owe money to so many people. Yeah. Well, he has like a castle in Scotland, and he owns like a dinosaur skull or something. There that he go. had to give yeah, back to Mongolia because he was like, oh, sorry about this. Massive debt. Like he doesn't need to work. He's not going to jail like Lauren Hill did, though, right? Well, that's true. well, there we go. That's that's a very interesting point you bring up, Russell. Although he did in The Rock. Or part he, part of me when I was in? reading no, the profile didn't. thought that maybe Air, it's maybe it's Nicolas Cage just out there trying to pump up his movies, just like I try to pump up our podcast. So as you guys know, <laughs> with oh, one no. of my profiles, I mentioned that I was on a podcast with some of my buddies. I never I put the name out there, this. but it was out there, and I'd never, ever heard a word about it from anyone I've ever talked to on any of these apps, which is very um far and few between if you will but but russ is in relegation i finally got a message from a woman and she specifically asked me what is the name of your podcast and i'll Mm. tell you guys what i did but why don't you tell me what you guys would have done in in that situation i i would tell her the name you got nothing to lose also russell you are very astute on this podcast i feel that this podcast would be a great introduction to you for any lady. Like I, I, I would, this is your, this is you at your Yeah, best. I don't think you would lose any women to us on this podcast. I did tell her my name was Aaron and had been using Aaron Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> pictures. So that might work out all right. That's, that's good until she Googles him and she sees that he was arrested for lewdness in a public park while his kids was at school. <laughs> and he was out doing some, what was the sex move that we came up with? The tortellini or the packed lunch? He was out doing the packed lunch. <laughs> He's like, it's for science. Call back. Oh, no. So eventually I told her the, I told her the name of the podcast. No, big mistake. And Love it. I, she listened to it 1,000% because she mm. came back and started making jokes from a certain podcast. But guess what episode she mentioned? Now, so here's my question, though, is that does anybody get any of the jokes if they haven't heard all 30 episodes? Like, is well. There- well, Rob, when you suggest like the Prince one yeah. and they disregard your suggestion oh, and no. just go to episode zero, oh. they know exactly what's going So they went back to episode zero <laughs> oh my God. where Aaron was talking into like a, a pop can. Uh, but before we start this, uh, let's just talk about how, how's it going? How's everybody doing? Uh, Rosie, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, no one wants to hear about the parent of a toddler complaining about their sleep, but my kid is going through a weird sleep thing. And, uh, so, you know, we were up in the middle of the night last night and then up at 6am today, but, uh, it was beautiful sunshine today. Uh, I did a quick workout in the garage, which felt great. And I'm super stoked to hear what you guys have to say on, uh, what you all have to say. I'm trying not to say you guys. Uh, I'm super stoked to hear what you all have to say on this, uh, on this episode. And, and it was it a complete disaster. So she went back to episode zero. So I'm guessing I will never hear from her again. We no, might have to that, take that episode zero down. Yeah, that's that. That I mean, there's good content, but the sound. Well, this we're not going to get into we should put a, baseball. We should put a disclaimer in there. Like, if you're going to listen to this, you're a real psychopath. Don't do it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen, Rob, to make it all the way to the end. You probably that, still want to take Russell on a date. 
I, I don't know if I got any good advice from you guys, but at least I got I to gotta speak my truth there for a minute. So thanks for letting me go to the corner. You got to speak your truth. That's it. Time's up. Get out of the corner. I think that we gave great advice, advice, Russell. I just can't think of what it was actually yeah. off the top of our heads. I, I think Matt was giving great advice too, but he's been on mute for the last 15 <laughs> minutes. So yeah. Matt, you're not allowed to go on mute. It's a new I did, rule. You know, I, as much as movies as I watch, I didn't know that Nicolas Cage was a Coppola. And so I'm over here just <laughs> giving <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he's a Coppola. He's totally Coppola's Coppola. nephew. Yeah, yeah he changed know? his name because he didn't want that to influence people. But right. Oh, Rob, Rolling yeah, going. Hollywood going royalty. Yeah, I'm curious oh, about how right. Rolling going with Rob. So I am going to say this. Uh, so my wife has been taking that baking that cookie class. Yes. Uh, and I'm in hell. So I have been tasting <laughs> cookies now every night for the last week. I've had about ten cookies a night. I want to die. Movies, I, if I see a cookie now, I get sick. Yet I can't stop eating them. It is Rob, total we hell. Be, remember that show, Wife Swap? If you like, you could move to Minneapolis and take my Bumble profile for a week, and I will come eat cookies. Oh I would God. take that deal in a heartbeat. I'll tell you what. Lou Reed was singing about heroin on this album, and I was like, I get it. I finally get it because for me, it's just cookies. I just cannot. And like my, my wife would wake me up and be like, Come out and taste these cookies. And there's like ten cookies. They're slightly different. She's like, What about that one? What about that one? What about that one? I don't want fuck these cookies. I don't want to have any more cookies, please. I feel like a kid who they're like, oh, you're going to smoke a cigarette? Well, guess what? Now you're going to smoke the whole damn pack. I feel like I smoked the whole pack of cookies. I can't do any more. Please kill me. Rob, I do not Rob want was these scared cookies. straight by the cookie class. And even worse, guys, guess what she's starting today? Pies. Cocktail. She's oh, no. Pies. Oh, so, so, oh. Pies, pies are huge. Oh. What are you going to do with a whole pie every I don't week, know. She's going to make me try so many pies. I'm in trouble. I'm in it's huge trouble. Pie. She's killing me. I think this is it. I think she's like, you know what? This marriage actually does suck. Time for me to take a baking class. Rob will die in two months. Maybe she'll give you the mince, the mince meat pie or something right off the bat. You should play pecan pie by Golden Smog under underneath this bit. Oh, uh, all right. So I got that. <laughs> okay, well, that's we cleared that up. So say that again, Aaron. Oh, what, what, what should we play? There's a great song called Pecan Pie by Golden Smog, which was a supergroup uh, with members of Wilco and uh, maybe the Jayhawks and possibly even mm, those are the only two bands I can remember right now. But Devil's Pie by D'Angelo. Yeah. This yes. is the worst moment of the podcast Sweet potato pie by since Domino. I've been on it when I literally had mincemeat pie, pie by whoever Aaron... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever this artist was teed up later, and Aaron poached it up. Yeah, he bullshit. totally took your bit. You, you, yeah. had a, you had a list of best pie songs. Yeah, pecan pie. I had it ready to roll. There are a lot of great pie songs. We should, oh man, we should make a list for that next. Week. By the way, the end. By the end. By five hundred episodes in, we're definitely just at the end. Going to be like, okay, pie songs, play it. And then we just like put the episodes together. I wonder what how late of it. I wonder how many episodes we're going to do where we keep calling back jokes from like the second episode. Like people are two hundred episodes in, we're calling back jokes from the second episode. People are like, I have no idea what's going on. This podcast is impenetrable. All right, that's enough for rolling going. Listen, I don't have anything else to talk about. My life is a nightmare. All right, let's get into the album and let me just give you a little bit of background. We are talking about guys. The album's so nice they named it twice: The Velvet Underground and Nico, and it's by The Velvet Underground and Nico. So they didn't really think too hard about. Uh, the title on this album, but this album came out in 1967. Uh, the big star of Velvet Underground, which I did not realize until I started looking at this, is Lou Reed, obviously. And I realized something clicked for me because I cannot stand Lou Reed. I cannot, I do not <laughs> like the, when when I heard that walk on you the wild, like wild side growing up, I could not stand that song. I was, I was like, why is this song big? I don't get it. No it makes way. no sense. I mean, it's catchy, but I'm always like, I don't, should this really be played approximately 100 times on a classic rock station? I don't know. Am I just becoming a grump? I think I might be becoming a grump, guys. Is that possible? 
I wonder if all the sugar is messing with your equilibrium, man. I think so. Normally, I'm more jolly than this. I should say not say Lou Reed. I I don't like Lou Reed. I shouldn't be so grumpy. This is a very New York album, also. Like you really, this should be right up your alley, man. Oh, I uh, yes, I definitely have some connections with this album for sure. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit. But basically, this band came along, and they were produced by Andy Warhol when and they went out on tour with him, and they love that because basically, and again, this is 1967, so I think sometimes you forget how early this album is. Basically, they were allowed to do whatever they want because Andy Warhol had no idea what was going on in music production, so Lou Reed and the group could just do whatever they want. And because of that, they all their, these songs are incredibly direct references to drugs and sex. There is the, the genius lyrics page for these songs is almost nothing because the songs are like, I like heroin. And then the notes are like, they like heroin. And it's like, okay, well, that makes sense to me. Uh, and because of that, because we have these songs that are so direct about sex and drugs and prostitution, the, this album basically in 1967 got an instant ban from radio stations and record stores, so it barely sold any copies. But like Brian Eno said, he goes, listen, this album might have only sold 30,000 copies, but everybody who got this album started a ban themselves. So my question is this, right? I, I think it's pretty obvious this album is here because it's more of an influential album than an actual like catchy album, although I do like a lot of the songs on this album. Why is this album so high up on this list. Can you guys help me out? What's the reason, Matt? A couple weeks ago or last week, we talked about, could you start a band in your basement? And Rosie said famously, no, you couldn't because you couldn't fit all the instruments. (laughs) Not enough room. (laughs) Not enough room. But, you know, the whole premise was is that you don't have a platform, right? (laughs) You know, you don't have a platform to sell your records and everything. I think that the Velvet Underground played this nice niche little uh, club scene in New York with all the hipsters that were going on. Everybody's moving to New York. Um, there's a great document. I don't know if you've watched it. I told you to watch it, Rob, but there's like an eight-part series with Fran Leibowitz about her time in New York, and um, she's an author, and you know she knew Andy Warhol and was kind of going, mm-hmm. basically giving a history of all this stuff that's going on. It's pretty good. It lines up really well. But the... There's all these just funky clubs and people are just sitting around on like milk crates watching all these bands play, right? And so, and they were doing great. And they're, they kind of started this whole drug scene and everybody knew who they were, but they, they weren't really that great of bands and they didn't move past that. Okay. So now this band, um, Andy Warhol's attached to it. He dies. He dies. He becomes really famous for being this, you know, kind of this, uh, new, artist you know who's coming out of new york lou reed goes on to a solo album does great does like 28 albums by himself um you know turns into kind of a an iconic music uh solo act and stuff like that so i think personally that you take the new york uh the the love of what happened in new york in the 60s and 70s the whole stories behind everything with that with the um, Studio 54 and kind of the history there. You take Lou Reed, who had a great solo career, and you take Andy Warhol, you put them together, and all of a sudden everybody starts waking up and saying, wait, there's this band of Velvet Underground that had all of those together? And you know, and they kind of go back to it and say, oh, yeah, this is great. But nobody, you know, if if it's like they came back because all those other things got so popular and they just want you to sit, you know, they're, they're looking back. It's like if, um, you know, Kurt Cobain in the 1985 was playing with the, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they, you found like an album from back then, all of a sudden that album from 1985 would be, Oh, this is the, you know, this is what started 
the grunge scene in, in Seattle because it was in 1985. And so, so what, I, I think that's a great point. What did this album start? I mean, is this, is this a start of punk music? Is this a start of alternative music? Because I could hear a little bit of that, but it, it's, it's also well, when like, you get into some of the songs. I, I don't think it started a lot. I mean, I think they copied a lot of stuff, if that makes I, sense. And, I, and go, go ahead. ahead. No, you know, and so I think they copied. I mean, I just, I, I personally think they took some of this stuff from other parts of the country, brought it to New York, and New York was so hip now with it. Wow. And you put Andy Warhol's name on it that, you know, all of a sudden it, it's this huge art scene. And because it was in New York, uh, you know, at this time, and because of, of Andy Warhol's uh, influence, on the band, you know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, this is, uh, you know, it's led directly to what happened at Studio 54 and the, is it CBGB? Is that the name of the, yeah. the club and stuff like that? You know, that this is the scene that opened up, you know, those clubs. And so I don't know. I think it's just well-timed, if anything. It's got some big names behind it, if anything. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple catchy songs and some, um, I don't know if you want to call them interesting ways of presenting the songs, which we'll get into. That, that kind of make it cool now to hear from back in the day. But, you know, if, if Andy Warhol's not a part of this, I don't think this is a, you know, he, he was an artist. He wasn't a musician. He wasn't, yeah. a, you know, you didn't know how to handle bands, anything like that. If Andy Warhol's not a part of this, I don't think it, it's uh, that influential. Yeah, he definitely, sense. he definitely gave us some juice. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I think that it this begat a lot of indie rock, and I do begrudge this album because I think it begat the Brian Jonestown Massacre, which is the worst band I've ever seen live, but we don't have to talk about that right now. I think a fun they were, exercise... They were, they were a massacre on stage, huh? Oh, they were terrible. I think this kind of shoegazy thing, and also uh, A.A. Bondi, oh. who I saw, played just a terrible set at uh, um, Golden Gate Park <laughs> once, and just like staring at the ceiling or the sky. Uh, I, th- I feel like this kind of shoegazy thing grew out of this album. But what I think would be a fun exercise, which we're not going to do in this album, is that this came out the same year as Sgt. Pepper. So if you could yeah. draw the lineage of of what came from Sgt. Pepper versus what came from Velvet Underground and Nico, I think it would be fascinating. You know, probably not a time for us to do this on this pod. And like I The Doors I'm, came out this year, you know. I mean, I, I, I actually went and looked at what came out between. It was supposed to come out in 66, but it was so yeah. delayed. It came out in 67. You know, if you kind of if you go and look at the albums that came out in that period, I mean, the the door, uh, the Rolling Stones had three albums that came out in like a two year span. There, I mean, there there it's just a huge time for you want to call it indie rock or you know, kind of just rock and roll to mushroom from yeah. the I want to hold your hand days. You know, we've talked about it a number of times. On uh, Pet yeah. Sounds came out a year before this. I Things mean, like Velvet Revolver, I, all you know, all sorts of stuff. I want to play for you guys. So, so uh, this album of the year this year was Sgt. Pepper, the year this came out. And the record of the year, I got to play this for you, is Fifth Dimension. So I want you to listen to what Whoa. the record of the year sounded like. This, this song won more Grammys, I think, than anything else that year. Listen to this. They didn't win more than Bob Newhart. This is what we're dealing with, right? So it's like this and Velvet Underground. What do you think is better? What would you rather listen to again tomorrow? Side A of Velvet Underground. I'd skip for real? Side, side, a. A. side A. For sure. I like Side A of this album. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. This song is a bit much. I, You know, if this song were there, like, up, up, and away, plus my beautiful balloon, that's probably, like, a metaphor for heroin, whereas Velvet Underground was like, okay, here's how you actually I, buy heroin. Yes. I take Agreed. a right, I go out my door, I take a right, and then I'm going to walk five steps, and then I get the heroin, then I heat it up, then I inject it. I mean, basically, it was like a how-to guide. The direct way of, of talking about drugs and sex was new, and that gave people a lot of ideas about, oh, I can just say this on a record? 
but people didn't hear it till much later and make bands and, you know, 10 years later or a podcast. Uh, so podcast. guys, are, are we kind of inspired by Velvet Underground? I would say so, definitely. Let's start out with <laughs> Sunday morning. Ooh, Ooh See, this is so kind beautiful. of a fun start. I feel like we've heard this before. There's so much beautiful music on the first side of this record, right? And the way this starts, just so nice. And I believe they call that—I believe they call that side A in the side music business. Side, side A, if you will, a of this record. Yeah, I, I was amazed. Bruce Springsteen, starting at the yeah, it's just at the breadth of this album because there are such beautiful, precious sounds, and then we're going to get into the less precious stuff later. But I couldn't help myself. You guys know me. You know that I love the Glockenspiel. You know that we are. We went from being the number one jazz flute podcast on the internet to now being the number one Glockenspiel podcast on the internet. So I had to talk. Had to talk about the Glockenspiel about this track. Mm. And obviously Sunday morning would have been a nice a nice theme, but the Glockenspiel. Are you are you trying to tee up a list about the Glockenspiel, Aaron? Rob, let's hear it. I wasn't quite sure where Aaron was going with that. I was very confused. I'm looking at my soundboard. Which one of these do I play? I don't know about that. All right. So you guys know I love the Glockenspiel. So this was uh, so I I think the Glockenspiel on this song. What is, is the hard Glockenspiel? Is that is the xylophone? What's the difference? I believe it's smaller than a xylophone, so it's typically higher pitched. Uh, and I think the mallet. Uh, I don't know if the mallet's made of metal or not, but it's a metal uh, instrument. I'm gonna have to look this up now. I just know I know I love the sound of the Glockenspiel. You don't know jack know shit about a Glockenspiel. <laughs> We're no longer the number one Glockenspiel. On I know it's a beautiful, clear, high pitched sound made by a mallet instrument, similar to a xylophone. It sounds like a a, a, a better eco friendly instrument than the, the xylophone, which has a rubber a rubber mallet, which will mm-hmm. not biodegrade. Yeah, oh, sorry, wow. Brazil. Yeah, we're gonna have to look that up. We're gonna have to look that up. I don't know for sure. I just know that it, yeah, it's a very clear ringing sound, and any song with a glockenspiel is gonna just hit me right in my my chest. Piece. This list is starting exactly how I thought a list from Aaron would start with an <laughs> in depth discussion of different mallet types. All that right, so this is my list of what I believe to be the best glockenspiel songs two of them i know so well two of them i had to do a bit of research this week uh but the first one and you guys have to listen closely to hear the glockenspiel on this one is used cars by bruce springsteen from the nebraska album now mr day the lottery i win i ain't ever gonna ride no used car again oh my god oh, it's so That's- faint this is one of the saddest songs on one of the saddest albums in recorded human history, but the Glockenspiel just takes me down every time. So I apologize to anyone who's falling apart emotionally while listening to this podcast. Falling apart or falling asleep. <laughs> I want to tell you what to do, and I hate to criticize you or make fun of you, but I would say when we're making a list introducing an instrument with like a Glockenspiel where people aren't quite sure what it is, but the name is very funny, maybe have the Glockenspiel be louder than the softest thing of all time. <laughs> all okay. Right. No, no, no. Good, no, good no, leading, no. Rob, because this next song. Som- sometimes subtlety is the, is the way to go. Like, I have when, never when, found that to be true, believe it or not. <laughs> Hey, sometimes, sometimes when sometimes when we buy a used car, the rest of us go with a subtle used car. Like Rob goes with the, the Mazda mm-hmm. Miata that's one year old. That's his used car, right? That's true. That's true. That car ruled. It had one seat, so I would get girls to ride around with me in college. 
Success rate in that car, still 0%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the girls there would be, this, would be, this would be like, this is a nice car. Can you drive me to my boyfriend's house? I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> Rob, was there a point like senior year where you'd driven me and Aaron mm-hmm. multiple times to McDonald's back and forth yeah. and there'd never been a girl that ever talked to you at the car where you're like, this was not a, not worth yeah, it? Yeah, they'd be like, this car is really good, but it does smell like burritos locos for some reason. I don't understand why. <laughs> Taco Oasis. Remember Taco Oasis? Yes. There's something about knockoff taco places that I love. Like when it's a local taco place, like a taco oasis, and you just know that there, there's nobody with any knowledge of Mexican food working back there. Just love that stuff. Get like 100 tacos for $1. You're like, well, this doesn't seem like it'd be safe. Anyway, Speaking Rosie, you're people, talking about something? Next yeah. song. Speaking the next of song. people have, that have no knowledge about anything, Aaron, what's your thoughts yeah. on number two of the Glock? This was the, next the, song the, is total silence, but the, you can you can <laughs> think about what a Glock school would sound like on this one. That would be a very Velvet Underground kind of thing to do. This song, the Glockenspiels turned up loud, and this is Little Wing by Jimi Hendrix off of Axis Brothers Love. Oh. Right? The Glock comes right in, and the whole time, it's just guitar and Glockenspiel, and it's perfect. And this one I had to look up. I'll be honest. I didn't know this one as well. That is perfect. It hits right at the right spots here, and I love this. Yeah. But at the same time, if I were drinking all day and playing with only my left hand, I could play the glockenspiel on this song, right? True. Yes, that's true. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with you. Can there. you imagine? It's a concert and it's Jimi Hendrix, and then there's Russell back there with the glockenspiel. <laughs> which, by the way, none of us know what it looks like. We're all visually visualizing different things. Vastly. It's like a tiny xylophone. It's just like a little. It's like a, like it looks like a little xylophone. I've got like a Moscow mule in one hand and I'm yeah. listening to the podcast in the other. And I'm just like every, every minute or so. You're I just sitting back the there one. for like an hour while he's playing like purple haze and foxy lady. And finally, like you look and you pick up the mallet and you hit it one note and you put it back down. And you're like, thank you. I'm he the comes back and he's just jam. He's just jamming right in front of you. Like, yeah, Russ rock that glockenspiel. <laughs> I also want to say this. Aaron did the very cool thing on that song where he sent me a Vimeo link. Okay. Which in no way works with any of this stuff I use. So again, Aaron's list, once again, huge pain in my ass. He didn't send me a giant 45 minute mp3 like last time but this time he sent me a link where i could not figure out how to turn it into an mp3 and i had to go it i literally took like a half hour for me to figure out how to do that for that for again oh, man, for that for a 30 second clip where their glockenspiel is played twice in 30 well, seconds i would like so. to take this up with the estate of jimmy hendrix because i don't understand why access bold is love is not on youtube but this next song was on youtube give us some content is. for free you cheapos the glockenspiel <laughs> players been probably holding this up in court for years right oh that would be awesome that would be so cool Next track, the the Glockenspiel's turned up to 11 on this one. This is Strawberry Letter 23, not the Brothers Johnson recording, which was more famous, oh, but the recording by Shug Shoot, Yotis, I might have downloaded the wrong it. one. Strawberry Letter 23, here we go. Right from the oh, jump, there we you go. hear that beautiful, clean Glockenspiel sound. Strawberry Letter 23, one of the great jams of all time. Also recorded by... Hello, oh, that's that awesome. awesome. What is this song? It's Strawberry Letter 23. It's probably about drugs. I'm not sure. You dumb shit, Rob. By somebody you named Shuggy Otis? Rob, you don't know Strawberry 23? You dumb shit. Shuggy Otis, yeah, he's kind of a, a, a cult classic kind of a, kind of a guy. But my oh, favorite... Oh, really? He's not mainstream? <laughs> my, well, I, got, I got a mainstream one for you here, you guys. This is my favorite Glockenspiel song. This to me is the song that I'm pretty sure. Wait, this is, this is high comedy coming from Aaron saying this is going to be mainstream. I have yeah. no idea yep. what's about to come here. Shuggy Otis and Slobberbone got together and made an album. He's like, oh my god, the two biggest bands of all time. This is the one that if I had to put money on what 
Velvet Underground was listening to when they wrote Sunday Morning, it would be this one. This is Every Day by Buddy Holly. I can guarantee they weren't listening to Shuggy Otis. <laughs> well, it, chronologically, no. There's a good Glockenspiel solo in this song. Yes, right? here it comes. Matt knows. Oh, this is badass. This is good. Yeah, this to me is the best use of Glockenspiel in popular music. So that's it. That's the list. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That was my top four Glockenspiel tunes inspired by Sunday Morning. I like that one. The Buddy Holly one is badass. I mean, listen to this. This is the most aggressive you can play a Glockenspiel, isn't it? Like, it doesn't get any more hardcore than this. With the hand claps underneath? I like it. I like it. I like it. The Glockenspiel is such an important part of of modern music. And Aaron, you just crushed it there. Nice work. All right. Thanks, so guys. now we're going on to I'm waiting I like for it. the that man. That one was badass. Hey, white boy. What you doing uptown? So this is a song where Lou Reed is singing about going uptown to buy heroin for 26 bucks, which is $211 with the heroin nowadays, if anybody does the math. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. And the song, that the, the way the song was written is described as piano stomp. Just pounding on the piano in the background. And he is talking about going up to Lexington 125. And if you remember, I'm sure everybody recalls on the Biggie uh, episode, I talked about how I was listening to uh, my headphones as I walked to my gym from the subway where they were dealing drugs in front of me. And I was like, life on the street, getting real. Does anybody want to guess where that subway stop is? It is Lexington and 125th. So once again, I was listening to this song. Well, literally in front of me, somebody bought some heroin right in front of somebody. And I was like, hey, guys, I have a podcast with it. And I was almost immediately beat up. So I did not get the word out. I felt like Russell on a Bumble date. But uh, Rob, you should set up like a poster of our podcast right in front of the heroin dealer in the corner. Like like if we get a few downloads out of that, that's worth it. Yeah, I think if I make some baggies and then like affix a sticker to it that says Beck did it better. Sounds good. That's a, that's just the audience we want. Can you imagine? I can tell you and the voicemails all, would be just as good coming from the people at Lexington and 125. I, I mean, it can't be much worse than Ryan, the Ryan, the Ryan voicemail who decided to go with the macho man voice, yeah. right? <laughs> hey, this heroin is great. Oh, yeah. But I bet I have listened to the song. Now, I'm more familiar with the David Bowie live from Santa Monica version, which I think is very, very good. But I just got a real Ooh. kick out of this song. I think this song is so good. Obviously, you know, you heard the great karaoke version of it to begin with. But I just think the idea of a song about this guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to go buy drugs now. Okay, here's the song. It's just, it's brilliant. I think the song, I've been singing it the whole week. This is my mixtape of the week edition for this week, which I haven't really been keeping up with. So nobody's actually doing it. I would agree with you. I think, yeah, it's a great song. And it, it wasn't, there, this was never done before. Nobody was singing about going to meet a drug dealer before. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing too, is that once again, looking at Wikipedia for this song, I was like, okay, let's get some research on the song. And they were like, it's about meeting a drug dealer. And I was like, okay, well, that's it. Let's move on. Well, all right. So moving on to song number three, where this podcast is going to be about a half hour long today. Oh, well, Femme Fatale. Or as Rosie just texted me, a nice pair of double Fs. Aaron, I don't like that <laughs> at all. I love that this song is like a drugged out Gladys Knight and the Pips. Like, I love that like she's doing the Gladys Knight part, and then here they come in doing the Pips. But they seem kind of bored like, with it, don't they? Yes, yeah. They're like, you guys are going to sing background. They're like, well, I don't want to sing background. Yeah. I want to do heroin. And they're like, no. Luke, you sing background right now and you shut up and you do it back there. Fine. She's a femme fatale. She's a femme fatale. 
we're on side one, and so I went back to our favorite book that we've been following over the last week. Oh, yeah, Booze really? What's, who's, who's going out to eat with Lou Reed today? Oh, not that who's, book. Okay, it's a different <laughs> book. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lou Reed and I got a hot dog. Chapter two. I accidentally picked up the wrong one and not the Michael Imperioli one, but this one, they suggest on side A that people do a moonlight cocktail. It's conjure the vibey party scene with the Velvet Underground so perfectly encompassed with a batch of this moon-colored juice, a vintage sipper from the Savoy cocktail book. This selection pays homage to Nico, who was referred to as the moon goddess for her great beauty. So as you guys can see, this is a beautiful cocktail I'm drinking here. Oh, that looks with fantastic. With a lemon twist. Oh, my God. We've got Russell a moonlight like cocktail, cocktail inside one. Wow, it's the real deal. Oh, now he's that putting it beautiful. into a syringe and he's injecting it right into his veins. Oh, I don't know about that, Russell. I don't know if that used to be listening to that part of the book. Can you imagine if you're on The Sopranos with Michael Pirioli and they're like, Michael, what do you think you're going to do next? He's like, listen, I'm going to write this book where I go and hang out with Lou Reed when I'm a kid. And they're like, well, okay, Michael, see you later. Good to know you. <laughs> oh, now you're off the show. He has a podcast with one of the other guys. Remember Bobby, mm-hmm. Bobby Bacliar, the other, the other one of the henchmen on on the Sopranos, they have a podcast where they go over every episode of the Sopranos. And I listened to about the first five minutes of one. I was like, Beck did it better. <laughs> yes. Beck did it better than that bullshit. And I turned it off. We're going to start doing that pretty soon on a Patreon. We're going to listen to episode zero and then talk over it. So if you want to pay extra to hear that, feel free. It's very, very exciting. Pay extra we just listen to ourselves. We're like, ooh, this is a good joke. This is a good joke. Remember this joke? Can somebody explain to me who Nico is? I mean, basically, because that was one thing that happened when the a band A ruiner broke of a up. band? Yeah, what ha- oh, who, who is oh, Nico? shots fired. Because the only way I know Nico is this, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but this song from the Royal Tannenbaum, one of my favorite songs of all time, is just beautiful. But what does Nico have to do with Velvet Underground? How, oh, yeah, how did they get song. some German singer to just join this band? Andy is it just an Andy Warhol thing where he's like, yeah, now you get the German singer. I don't know why he's German in this story, but he's like, <laughs> now she sings with you. I was listening to this document or watching this documentary, Velvet Underground Under Review, and they talked about how they brought in Nico for this album and that Lou Reed originally wrote the opening, the opening song, the Sunday morning song. And she and she was supposed to sing it, and they changed it up last minute. And, and a lot of people think that Lou Reed wanted to show people, hey, we don't need her as part of this band. We don't need her to make these commercial hits or whatever. We don't need her voice. And so he changed it up very last minute and sang the opening track. Mm. It is one of the strangest things. Like we've okay, Rosie, shut up for a second. Anything. So I'm going to say Rosie. What Rosie is about to say? Okay, that was a joke. I was doing the same thing Lou Reed did, but I was, <laughs> it was slightly different. Mm. <laughs> Guys, I'm I trying to be funny. It's, it's so hard. Scenario, the voices right? like are about the same, too. If you say, like, Aaron's beautiful voice and Rob's super annoying, like, it's yeah, probably about the like same. It's like I'm in the background going, wow, Aaron, that's really good. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, Aaron. we just haven't seen another scenario where they where someone said, oh, yeah, add a member to this band who's not actually part of the band. I, I actually think I like her songs on this album. I think she adds something interesting. But we've not seen something like this where – it seems like she was really only part of the band for these few tracks on this album. All right. So I think we've gotten to the point now where we've noticed maybe that one of us is just being a little quiet. Hey, Matt, what are you doing in there? Why is it so quiet? It's time to get Matt's opinion on the album. Oh, yeah. I was just looking up the Jason Schwartzman. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. He's a cousin of Nicolas Cage. Did you know that? I had no idea. 
Remind me after this podcast, I have another Coppola story to tell you guys that I can't tell you on there, but it's a good one. You know, what's kind of funny is you guys, you know, you guys do a lot for this, this podcast, right? You know, I have no idea what Matt's about to say yeah, right now. I'm scared. <laughs> so we've started this thing where we're like, hey, let's pick a couple songs, right? And, you know, well, everybody will look up stuff and I'm, I'm peeling back the curtain here a little bit. And literally we've Ooh, got like one song that's supposed to play next. That's supposed to be just horrible. Nobody wants to hear mm-hmm. another Nico one. And then it's my two songs. I was just saving my opinions for my two songs, but you, you're digging me back. So to be fair, I made that drop like three weeks ago and I haven't had a chance to play it. So I took my <laughs> chance when I could, cause you talked a lot about Biggie. My, my, my take is this, is that Nico absolutely ruins this whole stinking album. Wow. I cannot Whoa. stand when we get to uh, all tomorrow's parties and she's, she's got the, uh, the double voice thing going and hey, stuff let's, like let's, we should just save it for all tomorrow's parties. Save well, it. I was asked. No, no, I got dropped. I got dropped into this situation. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt, you know. say something. No, not that. Don't say that. Oh God. Here we go. Yeah. Moving on. All right, go on. Yeah. Go on. To the Matt, listen, song, when right? I make the drops, I have to play them. Okay. We're going <laughs> to go through you. and we're going to, you. you know what this episode we're going to, I'm going to play every drop. Rob's daughters have had to listen to these drops so many times. To get oh, my God. Rob's right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Here we go. Actually, I got stressed out thinking about playing every drop. There's no way that's going to happen. Uh, so now I have what Aaron said he also did on his hike, Venus oh, and God, Furs. They're, they're, yeah, this is so This is such a dirty song title. Aaron's out there. They're eating turtle eating Venus and Furs. Oh, I don't like that at all. Disrespectful. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things when I was kind of reading about this album or watching the documentary, listening to it, is it seems like they kind of have this unique sound that nobody had before. And to me, when when I was reading and listening about it, there are two things that kind of set it apart. One is they had an electric viola, which is a type of violin, right? But it was an electric viola, which gave it a different sound, which in the 60s was totally different, right? Yeah. But the other thing that was totally different about this is I was reading about did they drop the electric viola down the stairs on that song? I don't get what that sound is in the background. <laughs> I, think, I think we've got a lot of bizarre sounds on this album. But I think the other interesting thing is is Lou Reed tuned his guitar for all the strings to be the same chord. And they called this ostrich tuning. Yeah, this is fascinating. I can't even tell you guys how many hours I spent this week trying to find songs that had quote-unquote ostrich tuning. And I could only find like one or two. So I just I just let it go. but. Rob, you play guitar, Aaron. You you have a music background. Can you hear when you listen to that song? Do you hear the the guitar having the same chords, or is just this just kind of bullshit from music people saying this is this is brilliance when really there's no difference? Oh, you can hear it. You can hear it like crazy because what you hear is that droning sound where it's just the same note because all the strings are tuned to the same note, which is crazy because you would think like if you have to tighten those strings so much they'd break. But when you hear it, because I did, I had to look it up on YouTube to see what ostrich tuning was. And like, they're all D or they're all E. And so you just play the thing and you just hear this drone and then you like, you know, fret one or two notes. And, but you can really hear it when you know what you're listening for. If you're, if you're a smart music guy like me, Aaron, what kind of dumb shit thing do you have to say? I don't have anything to add to that, Rob. Oh, I think it is. I got nothing thank to you. Add. Rob's right. No, I, I think it's the kind of thing that you read about later and think, oh, that must have been a very thoughtful approach to making this music. And when we hear it, we just think, well, that drone kind of makes me want to jump out the window. But obviously they were going for a specific thing and they went at it in a smart way like Rob described. Andy Warhol's like, I, I very much like this drone. It makes me want to paint the banana. And again, he's he wasn't German, so I don't know why I'm doing that. But in my <laughs> mind, that's like, how he spoke. It's like Matt's going to have to look that, up Andy Warhol for us after he's done examining the Coppola family tree. 
Anyway, so run, run, run. Let's get into it. Here we go. So this Bob Dylan song, I mean, oh, oh wait, no, is this Bob Dylan song? It sounds close <laughs> enough, yeah. yeah. Hold on, hold on, let me listen quick. You never know. Sounds like a Bob Dylan song. This is when Matt listens to the albums for the week. Yeah, okay, so yeah, so this Bob Dylan song, you know, I thought it fit in really well with In Between Blonde on Blonde and, you know, we came up. No, I'm kidding. No, I mean, Just keep going, this is, dude. This, this... It, it just seems like, you know, I. it seems like a direct ripoff and not in a bad way, you know, like Bob Dylan was hanging out in New York at this time and, you know, was clearly around and doing all that stuff. But, you know, to say that this is an, uh, you know, completely influential album that opened up this huge um, genre of indie rock, you know, I just, a song like this makes me think like, nope, you know, like really he's only, you know, they're only here because of, of you know, kind of everything else that's around that we talked about earlier. Matt was so distinct and abrupt with that that conclusion. It's like when I go out on a date and I sit down and we we're not even to our appetizer sampler, Rob, and she's like, "Nope." Yeah, when the first <laughs> nope. thing she orders is dessert, that's when you know you're in big trouble. I feel like I hear more. I don't know. I don't know the music that well, but it's not like I feel more British influence in this song than Bob Dylan. I see where you're coming from, though. I I didn't get it when I heard it, but now that you say it, I, I hear it. But if we go back, and you know, I should have had this timed up, but Lou Reed does something with his voice that sounds very Bob, you know, and he yeah, talks like this sure. and goes and, and talks right. like this and we're going, and we're, you know, he does that, that inflection with his voice. That's completely Bob Dylan. So yeah, I hear that. you're right. I didn't pick yeah. up on it first time around. All tomorrow's parties. Oh, I love this song. Sorry. It's meant to have all sorts of parties tomorrow. <laughs> all sorts so when I them. found out that this was Nico sing, you know, I kind of thought this was, but I heard it at first. I thought it was uh, like Lou Reed and Nico together. And then I found out it was just Nico double tracked. So, yeah. so unique. It's so unique. It's awesome. Well, it's kind of unique. But wasn't uh, wasn't Pet Sounds doing this just a ton with all the double? You know, about a year and a half earlier. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, if you hear, there's a whole bunch, a whole bunch of people uh, redid this song or covered it. You know. Including uh, at the Ass Ponies, which what? is an actual what? band. Huh? Ass Ponies? <laughs> Have you and Aaron been hanging take, out this weekend? Yeah. You're going Wait, to the Ass Ponies? What's, what's going on here? Thing. Yeah. Even Aaron just took a shot. He's like, I don't even know what I'm doing right <laughs> well, here, now. Rob, just, Rob will play an Ass Ponies pony song. Uh, you know, I love can the you ass hear, oh, Listen to the Ass Ponies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, could, I can see the relation there. Yep, this is the Ass Ponies cover of this song, All Tomorrow's Parties. So good. But you hear you hear the covers of this song, and they're all so much better. This is a great song, and Nico absolutely ruins it. I would love to hear Lou Reed singing this song, but I, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm trying not to be too harsh on this, but I think, I think that... Andy Warhol came in and just completely railroaded this uh, his way into this album, and maybe not in a bad way, you know. Like maybe it was all above board, but like to, to bring Nico in, you know. Here's some of the other songs that you know, the, the next song that we'll get to. Um, they're just they are there's some groundbreaking stuff there if you ask me. But to put Nico on there just probably because she's a, a good looking model from Germany, and you know, I, I have no idea why Nico's on here at all. Yeah, it's the kind of the same reason I'm here. Uh, all right. Just to be good looking. For my looks. Nice what can I say? Voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So we've got a song, and it's tough to tell what this song is about. It's called Heroin. <laughs> but I do what I love about this song is listen to the change in tempo. And you can tell he's like, okay, this is what it feels like when I inject it. When you inject what? Heroin. 
Oh, what? I mean, this is him. This is him injecting it and getting fired up. I bet I listened to the song a hundred times this week. This song has bounced up to number four on my list of the greatest songs of all time. It's so good. Number four. I, yeah, I was really interested when you said, you know, again, peeling back the curtain, you, you told us that this was one of your favorites, and I wouldn't have picked that up. But I do think oh. it's a great song. And is it just, for you, is it about structure? Is it just about how it make you, makes you feel? Or is it because you love heroin? I think it's because I do, when you when you listen to the song, you're like, because now he's coming back down, and so you feel that. And the end of the song, of course, I mean, sounds like this. Right? It's kind of a mess yeah, of like, oh, nuts. this is him yeah. taking too much heroin, and then he's got to come back down and settle down from it. And, I mean, this is obviously such a personal song, and he's like, eh, I'm just going to sing about heroin. And he was quoted as saying, like, it's not a positive or a negative. I, I'm just singing about heroin. And he's like, there's a song called Heroin. So what? Like, what's the big deal? I, don't you think that's kind of disingenuous, though? Like, if you listen to the first half before this terrible ending of the song where it's just complete noise, like, when you listen to the first part and you're listening to it, it's just kind of beautiful, like, relaxing yeah. music. Yeah. And I'm not a heroin user, but to, to act like, oh, at one point he said, it made me feel bad to think that this maybe contributed to people using heroin. Then he was like, oh, but I don't think it did. Listen to that. And tell me if that wouldn't help you go down that path. Like oh. I think it's disingenuous to think that that wouldn't be glorifying that experience. Yeah, I don't care what the lyrics like nice say. That's time. Yeah. That's a crock of shit. That's a crock <laughs> of shit to, for for all these music experts to look at every single word in and say it's not glorifying air. Like listen to that song. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm gonna right. put the needle down here, but. Uh, uh, that's bull. I think that's I, a that's a crock of shit. I know music can be influential. I mean, that's why I'm such a PYT. You know. <laughs> A what? Uh, it's a pretty young thing. Okay, oh. so there she goes. I like the guitar goes. sound on this album because I'll oh, go for it. Yeah, wait, let's no, no, on. no, no. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, so for me, the platonic ideal of a guitar sound is Bush. Glycerine. I don't ever like hearing the and word platonic. Maybe uh, that's way just... too close to my. That's way too close to my dating profile things. I don't ever want to hear that again. Aaron. Looking for you a can, platonic can, ideal. Hey, you know when Matt shoves his feelings back down? Every time you say the word platonic, I you can shove that shit back down from my perspective. So Sh- shove it down. Hey, what do you what do you mean you just want to be friends? No, no, I'm taking you back to McDonald's for the fish fillet. You shove that platonic shit down. I think if women say they want to be friends with you, Russell, and you just say no, I don't think that's an effective way of going about it. I think the battle is already lost. Although you are talking to a guy who once said, I'm going to drive home so fast. So I don't know if he would be taking a ton of advice from me because that's essentially the equivalent. I listen to my friend, Matt. He's the smartest guy. I know he says, shove that shit down. I, <laughs> keep pushing it down, guys. Just keep pushing it down. Sorry, Aaron. Don't anybody else. No, but, you know, isn't this heroin? I want to go back to the heroin song because I understand what Russell's saying. But this is the the song that, you know, I'm not, again, I'm going to shove my feelings down, right? But. If you get any sort of visceral reaction to any sort of song on this album, I think it's this one. I mean, it's different than anything else that came out. What I what I read on uh, Wikipedia is that it's essentially like two chords and some like random bongo drumming in the background, and that's it, you know. And so to have a song that kind of gets that much re- um, play and that much press and everything from two chords and some drum, I think it's something that hasn't been done in. To me personally, it was a high point of the album, not because of the message. I mean, obviously the message is bad, but just take all the lyrics out, and it's a you know you, you understand what the what he was trying to get across. Mm. Aaron, you were talking about the guitar. Yeah, I just the, the 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 guitar in the slower parts is just what to me is like the the guitar sound that I just love the most, and 
for me, the anything that approaches or might have inspired, and I'm I'm a simpleton when it comes to the guitar, but anything that might have have eventually inspired uh, Bush Glycerin or Yellow Ledbetter by Matt's favorite band, those are the, those are the guitar sounds that I just never could get enough of. You know, as a 15, 16 year old kid. So anything that kind of approaches that, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is this is my stuff. Like, so I hear that and, and immediately my ears perk up. Now here, there's a little Rob, step in there. I step specifically in the have this listed as a skip. We should move. <laughs> Russell has spoken. This is the monkeys. What can you do? There was your Bob Dylan. Man. This is sort of yeah, the most poppy track on the album, right? This, this. They're, they're giving it in the background there, though. They're somewhat less yeah, bored than when Nico's going. Right. The pips are really going. I'll be your mirror. Oh, I like this song, too. Oh, we got this you is like Nico, Nico again. You like I the Nico I think I do. Voice. I know. Yeah, I think I, I do. I, I don't know. Maybe I got a... It's weird. An interesting thing for people, for people that didn't like Nico, did you guys know that in 2009, Beck started this musical project that was called The Record Club, where he covered five whole albums? And so Beck covered songs by Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen, or by Skip Spence. I have no idea who Skip Spence is. You guys know who that is? No, nope, not familiar. Oh, my God. Even in excess, the album is. Kick. In excess, Kick. Ooh, in excess. And Classic. Yanni, live at the Acropolis, he covered these four albums. The fifth album he covered as part of this project was Velvet Underground and Nico, this entire album. He covered the whole album. So, Rob, if you want to pull up I'll Be Your Mirror, and let's hear Beck do this version. And knowing Matt doesn't like Nico, he might think someone else did this better. Does Beck just have, like, infinite free time? Does he have what? Just infinite free time. He just has much time to do whatever he wants. They don't do anything. They don't come out until, like, 9 o'clock at night. He's like, you know what's hard? Writing my own songs. You know what's awesome? Covering whole albums. Like, it'd be great. (laughs) So he covered the whole album. And if you guys remember, when we did Bob Dylan a while back, he also covered Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat. Right. So I have to ask you guys, when it comes to covering songs in the top 30 list, who does it better? Beck. Beck definitely did it, did it better. better. Beck did it better. Oh, yeah. I like that stretch there at the end. I like that. All right. We've got the Black Angels death song. And uh, Aaron, is this the first dance of your wedding? Is that a true story? <laughs> this was it. Yeah, this was the first dance of my wedding. Yeah, just put this on and the families really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, yeah, your in-laws were like, oh, what a normal child. Yeah. <laughs> I was out there like dancing and jigging. They're like, hey, why is the usher out there? Can we get him yeah. off the stage right now? Hey, honey, you were wrong. He doesn't just look like a serial killer. You know? <laughs> he is one. Listen to this. I'll never Aaron, listen to why, this album again. Why is, but I think why is Rob a, sitting out on the stage playing the violin right now, Aaron? In a Aaron, weird can you way, please ask I him to leave? This song shows how musical they are because if you, and I, I say this all the time on the pod, but if you try to sing along, it's harder than you think. And I think there's more thought going on behind this song than it sounds, but I never want to hear it again. I could do Nico. Can I? There she goes. <laughs> Aaron got married out. It's kind of this, like this very nice building. I wouldn't call it a mansion. It was a very nice house in Minneapolis. And they got married out in this outdoor lawn. There's probably like 80 people. It wasn't a huge wedding, but it was big enough. And I was an usher. Aaron asked me to be an usher in his wedding. And Aaron and his wife were up there doing their vows. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the wedding, these two people, I would guess they were homeless people, but they could have been just two random people carrying a, a cart along behind them. And they stopped and kind of like started cheering them on. And I was sitting in the back thinking like they're, they're kind of interrupting the wedding. But I was like, 
I feel like Aaron's just down with this. So I'm just going to let them sit here. And if they say stuff, they say, cause like, it feels like Aaron's Aaron's not going to care about that. Right. And so no, they just stayed there yeah, it was, it was great. and he had two, he had two additional attendees that were kind of cheering them on throughout the whole wedding. You remember yeah, that wonderful. Aaron? Yeah, totally. I do. It was like, Oh, this is nice. It's like people can walk around and, and say, congratulations. It was a very, a very nice moment. Was Lil John, John was Lil John there? Yes. If you were, <laughs> that if you were Usher, if you were Usher, I figured that Lil John would be there. Okay. And that was a good one. And did you guys know that? Usher. He was an Usher. To my wedding, I had uh, Emmett Smith. What? Yeah, because I misread and I, I got a rusher. <laughs> rusher. It's the first time I've ever been embarrassed to be huh? on this podcast. What? Yeah, and we got, I think we I would have gone with like Von we got Miller. A free, like a we got a free screen. Your, uh, oh, that's a, good, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I got the doctor from Star Trek, a crusher. Okay. This is the first time where, where I'm wondering if Jenny was wishing instead of your daughter, you she had a European You went up to son. Alaska and you found a musher. <laughs> I had Herbie Mann and I got a push pusher. Oh, okay, oh no. You got so embarrassed you were a blusher. Oh, All no. right. So uh, just Hanging like. Out with Rosie's girlfriend in high school and you got a lusher. Just. Oh. A, Whoa. What? Wait a minute. How's that? <laughs> uh, just like uh, when Aaron's dad was listening to the podcast about him going out uh, into the backyard. European, son. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say when Aaron went out into the into the forest for the tortellinis and he was crushing her. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's probably being there. Is that inappropriate or not? Too far? No. Sounds good. Fits in. Oh, I do like Aaron the took big... off his glasses. And, oh, so did anybody That's listen to this far. song more than once? Anybody? No. No. Well, yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. I played the album more than once. I mean, if, if you can make it through seven minutes of this multiple times, you deserve like a, a medal of freedom, right? What happened on the second side of this album? Did you just kind of like drugs, Rob, drugs? I think there drugs there probably, is a point, right? Rob, on this. I don't know if any of you guys heard this. There's a point where there's just like clanking. It's It just sounds like complete noise. Yeah. And I, I was reading about it, and it turns out some guy took a steel folding chair and just started hitting plates, and this is part of the album. That's a WWE <laughs> move. That's nice. This is where Rob plays the thing I gave oh, him. Yeah, you, you did give me. What did I do with that? It doesn't. What matter. time was it? Oh, what time is? It? I think it's in here. I think I put it here. Listen. Oh my god, we gotta listen to this again. Right here. Yeah. Oh. Such great music. What is that? What, like this? How, how is this on the top, the top thirty, top fifty list? But literally, they took a, a steel chair and were started hitting plates. And the only thing I could think of is the honky talk man would have done that way better if he was wheeling that steel chair. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think it would sound a little something like this. Oh no! What are you? Oh, now Rob's gonna play the whole European song. Is this something? Is this comedy? <laughs> I think we should get to the ranking system. All right, let's get into the ranking (laughs) system. Listen, this album uh, gets our final patented uh, Robert rating system. Guess what? It's not even a back to a better patent. I patented it myself under my own name. So sorry, you guys are missing out. When you guys get relegated and I am jumping up in the podcast, I'm taking this rating system Ah. with me. It can apply to anything. Uh, but it does have to be explained. So listen, it is guys, this album- guys, 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 no, no, hold on, Rob. Yes. Uh, take your earphones out so you can't hear us guys. It's okay that this is under Rob's name. Nobody likes it. So it's so he can have, it. he can fall on that one. We don't need to be associated with it. Should I put him back in? Okay, Rob, you can come back. Yeah.
Come on back, Rob. Why do I feel like I'm about to be cyberbullied? This rating system is great. This is we a great it. rating. I can't believe you took it away from us, Rob. I'm best, so mad. I'm so bad. I'm not associated with this rating system anymore. This last two hours was definitely not the worst time I've ever had making this podcast over the last six months. Well, listen, it's about to get way better because I'm going to explain this right rating system to Right after Joni Mitchell Blue and Radiohead the first this, time. This album is at 23. It is right before the Beatles Sgt. Pepper, and it is right after Biggie Smalls. So <laughs> do you think this album we should just skip is this. a this is well-toned, okay? So this means that the album should be at 23, <laughs> just like somebody who's not too big and not too small. It's well-toned. Hey, guess what? Just like when I hired a cheap piano tuner and he said, hey, your piano's totally toned. And I was like, wait, did you say toned or tuned? And he's like, okay, see you later. Well, piano toner. Uh, it did this album get rolling boned? It's too low on the. It's too low on the list. Is this rolling boned? It's too low on the list. It should be a higher number. Okay, so it shouldn't be twenty three. It should actually be higher on the list, which is a lower number. Okay, so it's it should be twenty two. We're above. all laughing. At there's, there's no there's no or chance. Or is this this album that. a rolling groan? It should not have been at twenty three. It should be more like ah, 24, 25, 326, Aaron, your friendship's 1, on the line with this ring. What your friendship's you on the line. Uh, let's go, Aaron. Where would you give this a? Friendship is on the line with this. Where one. Would you say there that? are parts of this album that I enjoyed more and more the more I listened. I think it's very cool that this album exists. And oh, I think that, maybe the, that, one of the coolest bands we've had. And thank you for agreeing with me. Thank you. I agree. And I think there are people who took a lot from this album and turned it into something in their lives and, and made a lot of great music inspired by this album. I think there are tracks on here that if I were going to make a playlist of how do you have a nice fun hangout afternoon, what's your early dinner party kind of sound and vibe, I would throw those tracks on there. Carol. But I think that music needs to. Uh, honey, sound. let's have a nice relaxing dinner party. Okay, let's just relax a little bit. <laughs> hey, hey, can you bring me that steel chair that's over there? Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. Okay, that's gonna make the party perfect. <laughs> but I do like a <laughs> little more anywhere. melody and uh, and and <laughs> beautiful sound in my music. And there are parts of this album that I just don't find very listenable. So I'll have to say, Rolling Grown. Oh, God, we're still in the rating system. I totally forgot about that. All right, Matt, <laughs> how do you rate this album? What do you think? Uh, Rosie actually just said something that I, I kind of agree with. I think it's it's cool that this album exists. I think it's cool that Lou Reed mm, had this coolest. band. I think it's cool that, that <laughs> Andy Warhol you know, was part of it. Um, but to, to put it at 23 on this list is, uh, I think, ridiculous. You know, I'll go, I don't want to be too... Um, aggressive here, I guess, but I, I I don't agree with that. So I'm going to say that it's rolling groaned. It certainly could be on the top 500, but man, I really would picture this in like the three 400 list, uh, way down the list, not at 23. Uh, Russell, what do you think? For me, it's rolling groan. I enjoyed parts of it. The more I listened to it, there are a few songs that I really like, but there's no way, there's no way this should be in a top 30. Rolling groan. I'm going to give this a rolling heroin, 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 because I feel like I'm a hero in the fact that I didn't mention there's a banana on the cover and it kind of looks like a penis. So I think I should get credit for that. Didn't do it. I'm a true hero of the podcast. <laughs> Guys, How did you not do that, Rob? I don't know. It's a, it's a, I can do better. I will do better. But you know, that drawing was pretty cool. It was by Andy Warhol. It was really cool. Thanks, man. I what appreciate did it that. Say? Yeah, what did yeah it, say? it was very cool. The one interesting thing about the album cover is I was reading too that 
other than where they had the sticker of the banana where you would peel off the sticker and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a dick or something. And then it was just another <laughs> pink banana. But I read that the inside. Do you guys have banana. this? <laughs> does anyone, do any of you guys have this on vinyl? Name, never. Nope. No, my I'm brother has Do you have it on vinyl? No. No. But the interesting thing is supposedly the inside cover of the album has a bunch of negative quotes about Velvet Underground. Like they had all these, these quotes about how they oh, suck. Wow. And they put them in as part of the thing. And I was thinking, maybe that's my, what my Bumble profile needs to be. It's just like all these negative quotes about like, hey, Russ showed up late. He refused to pay. You know, like maybe that's what I need to go with because it seemed to work for Velvet Underground. Not at the time, but in the future it worked for It's him. bad when Russell's Bumble account has a Yelp rating system and you can go on there, you know. <laughs> Food was cold. Did not deliver the tortellini like I asked. Yeah. <laughs> all oh. right. Next up, we've got album number 24, Sergeant Pepper. Nope, eh, guess wrong again, dumb shits. You want to listen to that? Go back to the early episodes where Aaron sounds a lot like this. So next up after that, we've got album 25, and we've got Carol King Tapestry. Mm. Oh, I'm excited about that. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, I have that on. I've got that on vinyl. I bought oh, that during nice. my trip. My trip to No Name Records, where I got the cocktail soundtrack. Well, look inside and see if people are saying negative things about Carol King. All right, we have. Is that really how we're going to end the podcast? That's the joke we're going to end on right there. No, Rob, you're going to remember. I bought that in the same time I bought the Big Bopper, so maybe you can cue up the Big Bopper <laughs> for the end of this. <laughs> big Bopper has something to say. Oh, about. baby, you know no, I no, did no, heroin, wait, no, baby. No, Rob, oh. Rob, save it till the end. Okay, you I'll, you I'll click the. Song I got a good joke it. right in my head. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, but you're just too lazy to you look it up great. online. If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they That's get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you. Put in your job I don't Beck think. did it better. But I can't stand Lou Reed. Rob, what? Joke, funny oh, joke. Okay, here. funny joke. Uh, did I you? thought you had one. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby, baby. I want to go see your wetlands, baby. Oh, you know how I hike. <laughs> All right, pulled it out. Save the episode. Pulled it out. Woo. Nailed it. <laughs>